Good morning. Great to see you this morning and everyone at home watching online. Hello. <laughs> As Ree said, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at our focus for the year of being far-reaching and looking how we can outwork that through our vision as a church. And just to recap that, we've been looking at being Jesus-centered, being rooted, together, broad, and then today we're going to be looking at far-reaching and specifically looking at how we can build bridges within our lives to the people around us so that we can share the good news of Jesus and the incredible power that we each have within us. And my objective really for today is to keep it simple. I don't want to overcomplicate something that is really quite simple. And to start with this morning, I wanted to start by asking a question. And this will cause some of you to have to maybe think back to when you were younger. But when you were younger, what was it that you wanted to do when you grew up? Have a think back. When to those childhood years, if you can remember that far back, what was it that you wanted to do when you grew up? Now, is there anybody here this morning who actually went on to do what they wanted to do? So, oh, we've got quite, oh, I'm impressed. Joy, what did you want to do when you were younger? A school teacher, and you are. Alistair, I can see. Placement, there you go. I wanted to be a train driver. It didn't happen, but. Um, <laughs> but a, a career advisor asked a young person what it is they wanted to do when they leave, left school. And the career advisor was really surprised by the answer that the young person gave, because they said, I want to be a social media influencer. <laughs> now, I don't know if any of you have heard of this before, but this is like a genuine career for people in 2023. And the definition of a social media influencer is this. So influencers in social media are people who've built a reputation for their knowledge and expertise on a specific topic. They make regular posts about the topic on their preferred social media channels and generate large followings of enthusiastic, engaged people who pay close attention to their views. And brands and companies love social media influencers because they can create trends. They can encourage their followers to buy their products and to promote their products. And interestingly, a, a consultant firm called Morning Consultant surveyed 2,000 people aged from 13 to 38. And 86% of those were Gen Z and millennials. And it's no surprise, really, that when they surveyed them, 86% uh, surveyed responded by saying that they would, they would post sponsored content for money, and 54% of them said that they would go on to become an influencer if they were given the opportunity. That's over half of those surveyed were prepared, if paid, <laughs> to go and become an influencer. And I think that's really interesting. I think it says something about the up-and-coming generations that are coming through that really, really excites me. You see, as human beings, we've been created to promote. That actually we've been created by a creator with a purpose. 
And we, I believe, as followers of Jesus, have been made to worship. But more than that, I believe that God has called us to have an influence. That actually we carry the greatest news that is literally the solution to people's and many of this world's problems. So to start with this morning, I've just got the dictionary definition of what it means to be far-reaching. And I've got it up on the screen for you. This is from the Cambridge Dictionary. It says this, something far-reaching has a great influence on many people or things. And as I said, I believe that God calls us to have an influence, that actually we are supposed to have an effect on the people and the world around us. And I love how in this definition here, it doesn't just say a few people, you know, just a handful. It says many people. And as followers of Jesus, we should be known as people who are passionate about him. That just as a social media influencer talks about their so chosen product, we too should live and breathe Jesus. It should be what comes out of us. And for us to be far reaching, we are called to influence those people who are in our sphere, those people that are in our worlds. It's our families, it's our friends, it's our work colleagues and classmates, it's the acquaintances and the random people that we meet at the gym, it's those parents that we meet on the school gates. As followers of Jesus, we are called to be far-reaching into these areas in our lives. And I want to encourage you this morning by saying that God has a plan. Now, for you planners out there, you might be sitting there thinking, God's got a plan. For some of you who fly by the seat of your pants, you might be thinking, okay, I don't like too much structure. But God has a redemptive plan for humanity. And we have a part to play in that. But the thing about the kingdom of God is it's almost back to front to how things here are here on earth. You know, God and Jesus says things like, well, the first will be last and the last will be first. And says things like, love your neighbor as yourself. And the teaching of Jesus is countercultural to the world that we live in. And God wants us to be far reaching and he calls us to be a part of this great plan. And if I'm being completely honest with you this morning, there are times where when I think about sharing my faith, there can be times where actually I don't feel equipped, where I don't always feel the most confident in doing that. And that's just me being completely honest with you this morning. And I sometimes think like, God, can we, can we have like another Billy Graham? Can we have another evangelist who literally can share the gospel to millions and thousands of people? But when I have those thoughts, I have to stop. And I have to remind myself that actually I have been equipped. That actually I do have a power within me. And I've been on Andy Elm's boot camp as well, so (laughs) I've got no excuse at all. But what I've come to realize when I've been preparing this in my own sort of personal walk and journey is that actually we can accomplish more together than we can individually. 
And part of my role at work, for those of you that know me, I, I've, I've worked in sales for a good number of years and I've, I've done fairly well in that. And as, as a result, I've been promoted, whereas now I'm overseeing a team of salespeople. And part of that role is to come alongside them and coach them and help them perform at a higher level. And if I'm being completely honest, Initially, when I came into that role, I thought, like, yeah, this will be easy. <laughs> Just my attitude to life. I was like, yeah, I can do this. And actually, by getting into the role and doing it and working alongside people, I've realized, actually, it's more difficult than I initially thought. And I find myself sometimes having these thoughts of, well, oh, I could do a better job myself. And I know this comes across the wrong way. Just bear with me, bear with me. I'm going somewhere. Maybe I didn't mean it to come like that. Um, how was I trying to say it? Oh, some of you are thinking, you know, if you want a job done properly, do it yourself. And I could, you know, is anyone like that? I'm, I can be like that. And I'm a frustration. I think, oh, if I just had the whole country to myself, if I could just sell the whole country, I'd sell so many. That would be easy. <laughs> but what I've come to realize, and the problem with that sort of thinking is as an individual, I have a limited capacity. I have only so many hours in the day, and there's only so many printers that I can sell. And what I've, <laughs> what I've come to realize is collectively, as a team, by us working together, by us all playing our part in various different ways, at various different levels, actually collectively, for me and my team at work, we can accomplish more together than I could if it was just me on my own. And this has been a real revelation and something that I've had to work through. And I believe that God looks at us in a similar way. And I can have that thought of, oh, if, you know, if I was an evangelist like Billy Graham, someone who could literally preach the gospels and millions of people and see millions of people come to Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong, God calls people to ministry. And I believe he calls people like Andy to full-time evangelism where they can equip us as a church and do that and are called as a gifting to do that. But at the same time, in the same breath, we've each individually been called to play a part in God's redemptive plan for humanity. Now, it might be that God's not calling every single one of us to preach to millions of people. But what he is calling to is for us to speak to those individuals, those people in our lives that we interact with on a daily basis, those people that we come into contact with. It's those people, I believe, that God calls us to have an influence and to interact with. And today, I want to look at one of the most far-reaching people or person that's ever lived. And if you've not guessed who it is, I'm going to be talking about Jesus this morning. <laughs> See, when you think about it, Jesus literally came from heaven down to earth. He, out of anyone in history, has been the most far-reaching that there ever could be. And Jesus was far-reaching in so many different ways. He was far-reaching in the sense that he would cross cultural lines. He would go and meet with outsiders. He was intentional of speaking to outcasts and those people in society who would be looked down upon. Jesus was far-reaching to those people. 
and God's plan for humanity, it's not always how we think it should look. And we, when we look at Jesus' life, we see that he didn't start his public ministry until he was 30. And I think this is really interesting because if it was me and I was the son of God, and maybe it's just as well I'm not, I'd be like, well, as soon as I got here, I'm like, right, we've got work to do. Let's get on with the mission. We've got a job to do. But Jesus was intentional. And those first 30 years, they weren't just spent him sat around doing nothing. But in that time, he learned how to walk. He learned how to talk and to laugh. But then he also learned how to work and read and how to get along with people as well. He learned social and interpersonal skills. And in order for us to be far-reaching, we too need to have, um, we too need to grow. I want to start this morning by just reading from Luke 2:52, And it says this about Jesus. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all people. And just like Jesus, as we age and as we mature, we should grow in wisdom just like Jesus. That we should seek to grow in wisdom, not just knowledge, but wisdom, and use that to make good decisions. But it goes on to say that also Jesus grew in stature. And when we look at the definition of that word stature, it talks about growing physically in height. But then it can also be, when we look at that word stature, it could be growing in quality or status, grow, uh, gained by growth, development, or achievement. We can grow in stature by developing, by not staying the same, but as maturing. And being far-reaching, I believe, requires maturity. It takes us focusing on more than just ourselves. And that can be easier said than done. And I think it's so good that as a church, we're doing this EHS course, Emotionally Healthy Spiritually, because it's all about equipping us and helping us grow emotionally. And for those of you that, that know uh, me and Beck, we've got a little boy called Eli, and he's two years old. He's just come into that terrible two phase where he's got all of these emotions and he doesn't know how to deal with them. But as well, he can be really quite self-absorbed where he thinks the entire world revolves around him. And if I'm honest, it probably does. Um, but we can be the same as well in our walks where we think the whole world can revolve around us and it's all about me and my relationship with God. And if we're not careful, we can become insulated. You see, we need to realize and understand that we have a purpose that's bigger than just ourselves. It also says in here that Jesus grew in favor with God. And I think this is really interesting and I believe this was a critical part of Jesus's life. He knew the importance of becoming close with God through prayer. He knew the importance of opening the scriptures and reading the Bible and having a lifestyle that was honoring to God. And I love how it says that it uses the word that Jesus increased. That actually it was a learning, it was a gradual thing. It didn't just happen overnight, it wasn't just automatically applied because he was the son of God, but it was something that increased, it was something that he grew in. And being far-reaching, far it first starts with our relationship with God. It comes from knowing what God thinks about us. It comes from knowing what God feels about us. 
See, if you didn't already know this or realize this, God loves you. And even when you're having a bad hair day, God still loves you. With all of our strengths, all of our weaknesses, all of our hopes, all of our questions, God loves us all with all of those things. So really simply, how do we increase our favor with God? As I said, it's really simple this morning. The way that we increase our favor with God is simply by loving him back. It's as simple as that, that we just love him back. And there are so many practical ways that we can do that. The fact that you're sat in here this morning, I believe, is an act of love. But one of the ways that we can show that love is by sharing the love by telling other people about Jesus. When we're in love, we tend to do that. When I first got engaged, it's really exciting and you want to tell everybody about this new relationship you've got. I know we've got a few engaged in here today and at that area stage in your relationship, you want to go and tell everyone, I'm engaged, I'm engaged, I'm getting married. And it's really exciting. But then for some of us that have been married for a while, you know that actually you have to be intentional to keep that spark. And I think it's exactly the same with our relationship with Jesus, that we need to be and keep ourselves passionate about our relationship with Jesus. And last of all, in that passage, it says that Jesus grew in favor with man. And it shows there that Jesus um, Jesus knew what it was to interact with people. He knew what it was to have relationship with people. And he grew in that. It was something that he learned So why are we far-reaching? We know that we should, but why are we far-reaching? Well, 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. And in order to love well, we have to remember that it's God who first loves us. And if nothing else, if we can just learn to accept that love for ourselves and to share that with others, I believe that is the the simply as it gets. That's what God wants us to do. And I want to read for the remainder of our time this morning a, an account of where Jesus does this beautifully well. And we pick it up in John 4, verse 4 to 5. And I'm, I'm going to break this passage down just to give a little bit of context as we go through. But we read here that it says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Now I want to stop there. I just want to add some context to this account that we read. It says here that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now that's not strictly true in the sense that there was another way um, to travel without going through there. There were two routes that could have been taken. And Samaria was the usual route that was taken by travelers when they were traveling from Judea to Galilee because it was the shortest route. However, for a strict Jew, they would quite often avoid going through Samaria. And as a result, they would bypass it by opting to go through a longer route by traveling over the Jordan River and traveling on the east side. But we read here that Jesus, or it says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. And what's interesting, when we look at that word had to, when we look at it in the original Greek, and we look at that word and what it means, 
it, the word that's used, it's die, and it's spelled D-E-I, and it means to be necessary. And when we see that word die, it, it quite often indicates to a divine necessity. And we see it 101 times in the New Testament. It's, it's shown quite a few times. We read it in places like Mark 8:31, where it says it was necessary for him to suffer. You see, for Jesus, this just wasn't any old day. This just wasn't any trip out. But actually, Jesus was on a mission. He was being intentional. And we pick it up in John 4, verse 6. And it goes on to say that Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to drink water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. We read here of a what is seemingly a day-to-day -day encounter. Jesus is traveling somewhere, is thirsty and stops for a drink. And he interacts with this Samaritan woman. And in the rest of the passage, it talks about how then Jesus goes on and talks about water and talks about a life-giving water that comes from Jesus. And if you're sat here this morning and you have never responded to Jesus and you've never accepted him into your life, then you can do that today by asking him to come into your life. And what's interesting about this passage is that we see this Samaritan woman drawing water from the well at noon. And this is unusual because normally back in these times, if you wanted to draw water from a well, you'd either do it right at the beginning of the day or right at the end of the day when it was coolest. And it's interesting that we see this Samaritan woman is out in the noonday sun. And what we read in the passage is that this Samaritan woman has become an outcast within her village and within her society because of the many relationships and the many husbands that she has. That as a result of that, she's literally cast out of her society. And Jesus does something incredible here. Jesus being tapped into the Holy Spirit listening to what he has to say. He has a word of knowledge about these many relationships. And he says to her, go back to your husband. And it starts this whole dialogue of saying, well, actually, I've got more than one husband. And it's not as simple and as straightforward as that. And we pick it back up in verse 27. And this is the response that this Samaritan woman has because of this word of knowledge that Jesus gives her. It says in John 4, verses 27 to 29, just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Why are you talking with her? Then leaving a water, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who's told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And I want to jump ahead a little bit more to John 4, verse 39. And this is the result of this woman going back to a town and telling a town about what Jesus has told her. 
It says in verses 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of, catch this, the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer just believe because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. We see here this incredible ripple effect of this Samaritan woman going back to her town, telling about what Jesus has done, and as a result of that, more coming to hear about Jesus, and as a result, more getting saved and hearing about Jesus. And this was all a result of that Samaritan woman's testimony. It came from her sharing about what Jesus has done. And this passage, I believe, highlights the power of testimony. And you can never underestimate the power of your story. You can never underestimate the power of what God has done in and through your life. And I've had the privilege of of witnessing this firsthand through one of my work colleagues. And it's nothing to do with me in in any sort of sense, really, other than the fact that someone um, had come and been on the Alpha course here at church and brought along one of their family members to support them. And as a result, that family member got saved and their life has been transformed in in a powerful way. And it just so happened that, that this person was then in the pub with my work colleague. And they started sharing about the Alpha course and how transformational it had been in their family member's life. And as a result of that conversation, as a result of that testimony, that person's come back and has then signed up with my work colleague's family member to come and do Alpha. And I think that's just absolutely incredible because that is the power of testimony. That is the power of sharing what God has done in and through your life. And really, just as we start coming to a close, I just want to finish really with one last passage. And this is from Matthew chapter 5, verse 4 to 16. And I'm going to just... Um, yeah, read this out. It says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everybody in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. You see, we are the light of the world. And it's not because of anything we've done. It's through what God has done in and through us. And we carry a good news that people need to hear. And if there's one thing that I want you to do when you go away from here here today, it's simply to just remind yourself and to familiarize yourself with your testimony. To remind yourself of what is it that God has done in and through your life. And if you sat here this morning and you're struggling to think of something, I want to encourage you, come up for prayer at the end because I believe that God wants to work through each and every one of our lives. But I want to encourage you to remind yourself of that. And just a few little practical things when you're doing that of how to write your testimony, how to write it down, just a few little pointers when you are talking to people. Stick to the point. It doesn't have to be your entire life story, but highlight some of those key times in your life when God has worked in and through you. 
be specific. So if you want to include events, how it made you feel, personal insights, but clarify around that main point of what God has done in your life. You know, make it real, make it relevant, but also be current. Our testimony isn't just when we originally came to faith. It is an element of it, and it can be our testimony, but it's also what God's been doing recently. What's he been doing in the last few months? For those of you that have already done EHS, what did Holy Spirit do in and through you through being on that course? Be current and tell about what is going on. And last of all, just be honest. We don't have to exaggerate our testimony. We don't have to dramatize the story. It's just about being real, being raw, and sharing what God has done. And I'm going to just invite the band to to come up and and come and get ready. But as I prayed about what it looks like for us to be the light of the world, and when I prayed about, well, what what does that look like? I had a picture, and it was a a picture of a lighthouse. And the, the interesting thing about a lighthouse is they don't move. But actually, they are a constant And when I was thinking about far-reaching, we can sometimes think, oh, well, to be far-reaching, I need to go abroad, I need to go on missions. And that is a part of being far-reaching. But actually, far-reaching is about being a light wherever we are. And the great thing about a lighthouse is for sailors and people who travel past is they become familiar of where the lighthouse is and where the rocks are. And I want to encourage you, you might sometimes feel that as you go into work, as you're interacting with people, that you just become part of the furniture almost. But the thing about a lighthouse is it's constantly shining that light. And actually for people who you interact with, you can become that rock. You can become that person that they go to because they know that you are a constant because of what Jesus is doing in and through you. So I just want to encourage you that as you go out into your week, that we go out with die, that we go out with a divine necessity, that we're not just going for a jolly, but actually we are being sent on a mission. And I want to encourage you, just like Jesus, to just keep your ears open to what Holy Spirit is saying. As you're talking with people, just be listening. Holy Spirit, is there anything you want me to say here? Would this be an appropriate moment to share about you? And finally, let's be that light to all that we come into contact with by sharing the love and the kindness of Jesus through the good news that we carry. So let's just stand. I just want to pray to close and I want to pray for you as we we go out into our weeks. Jesus, I want to thank you for being far-reaching. Thank you for not staying in heaven, but choosing to come from heaven to earth to reach out to us. And thank you that you modeled what it is to reach out to those in our world around us. And I pray that as we go from here, that we would go out in a confidence and a boldness in you knowing that what we carry is greater than ourselves. Thank you that we carry a light that is all-encompassing. And I want to pray for each and every single person 
that as they go out, that they would be that lighthouse in their lives. That no matter what situations they find themselves standing in, no matter what darkness may appear to be in the world around us, thank you that each and every single one of us can carry your light, that we ourselves can shine your light into this world. So I ask, Holy Spirit, would you rest upon each of us? Would you send us out equipped in your power, equipped in your boldness to share about you? And I pray that for each of us, we would grow, that we would learn to grow in favor with you, favor with man, and that we would grow into that maturity in you. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us. Thank you that you are so pleased with us. And as we go from here, we take that love and we share it with the world around us. Amen. Amen.